Welcome to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast, where it's all about learning from the best minds in the sport so you can train smarter, stay healthy, and run faster now. And now your host, Tina Muir. Thank you for joining me today for the latest episode of the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast. And I also would like to thank you for your feedback and reviews on iTunes. We are very excited for the future of the podcast and have a lot of great guests lined up. If you have a particular topic or guest you would like us to interview in future podcasts, you can email me at tina at runnersconnect.net. It may not come as a surprise to you, but injury-related topics are usually the most popular articles we have on Runners Connect. No one wants an injury, and it is usually the most frustrating part of being a runner, especially when a lot of non-runners and professionals roll their eyes at us. But wouldn't it be nice to talk to a professional who did not think runners were crazy and could understand both the treatment and the science side of injuries, as well as the drive and passion we have for our sport? Well, that's what you're going to get today from our podcast guest. My guest has his doctorate in physical therapy and specialises in running injuries. All runners need to listen to this podcast and I'm sure most of you will be nodding your head as we go through this interview. I know I was with a lot of things our guest said. So who is our guest today? Today we are talking to Jeremy Stoker who is a physical therapist working at Mountainland Physical Therapy in Kaysville. He has a doctorate from the University of Nebraska He specialises in treating running injuries. You won't be getting any of the rolling eyes from this physical therapist. He ran his first marathon at age 15, is a certified USATF coach, and is a regular speaker at events. And most recently, he spoke at the American Physical Therapy Association National Conference. So what are we going to cover in today's episode? We're going to look at why 65% of runners and up to 90% of marathon runners will go through some kind of injury each year. How making cross-training a part of your routine can reduce injury risk, maintain fitness during injury, and allow you to return to running faster. And also we will talk about how you can use almost any form of cross-training to get the benefits. We are also going to talk about how new runners can increase their training without becoming injured and Jeremy's hopes for developing a scale for a safe progression as a runner. Why rotating your shoes can lead to a 39% lower risk of injury and what you need to look for when selecting your running shoes. The three things to consider if you have pain while running and how to use those to determine whether to stop running or keep going. In what situations runner needs runners need to alter their racing plans or ultimately pull the plug on a race and why the decisions you make during your return to running post-injury are critical to the rest of your running life and what you can make do to make sure you return to running safely. All right that's enough from me I know you're eager to hear so let's get on with the interview meet Jeremy. Welcome to the Run to the Top podcast Jeremy. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. I'm glad to have this opportunity to chat with people. We are excited to have you and excited to learn a lot about you. I mean, we've talked about you in the intro, and uh, I guess we can just jump straight on into it. So we hear about all these facts about how there's a high incidence of of running injuries, how most runners cannot go a year without some kind of injury. But can you shed some more light on the details about that and why you think it's so high, if it is actually high or if it's just kind of spun in the media to look that way? Um, That's a great, great question. So um, I definitely think there's a high injury rate um, if you compare it to 
you know, other things, especially where this is a non-contact sport. You know, you hear about injury rates in like football or other sports, but you think, well, running, you have injury rates in running when, when you know, there's not any contact between people, but um, it is a high injury rate. And, you know, it can be as high as 65% of all runners will experience an, an, uh, an injury annually. And, uh, and even and even up to 90% of anyone training for a marathon will get some sort of injury. And so one of the biggest reasons why um, we think that is and uh, is the fact that when we run, all we do is we use the same muscles over and over and over again. Whereas like in soccer or basketball, when I'm running, I run a few steps and then I cut sideways or backwards or I'm, I'm transitioning quickly. So... I'm using different muscles at different times, and so my same muscles aren't constantly working over and over and over again. Like when I run, especially, you know, let's say a half marathon, a marathon, that's a long time to just use the same muscles constantly one after one after one. And so those muscles are just slowly getting torn down and broken up. And, you know, that's how we want to build muscle is to get muscles broken down, but we need to have recovery time which is a lot of the things that time doesn't happen is we're missing that recovery because we just step over step over step and we just do too much too fast on those muscles where they're not getting enough exposure to other things. Okay, so would you say that you talked about doing repetitive motion? You know, running is it is very repetitive, but if we do those other supplemental exercises and strengthen other muscles doing other exercises, that, that will generally help runners? Yeah, generally, um, you know, and that's where we get into the whole idea of cross-training um, and, and making that a part of your routine. And I think that's definitely important, um, and we can talk more about that as we go on through this podcast. But um, one thing for sure is just because you cross-train only doesn't mean that that means the next day you can run 100 miles. You know, if you're doing that, you still have to be smart with your training. Okay, so a lot of that is about, you know, still building up gradually like we're here. And do you believe in that 10% rule or...? So um, I, we believe in that at this point just because we don't have anything else that's proven. Um, that's one of my, my goals is to actually try to find a way to actually prove something or show something that is safe. You know, because I think all runners, if they can increase by 20% and do it safely, they're going to want to do that. And so at this point, yeah, I think the 10% is a great rule to follow, um, but we don't necessarily have anything that proves that at this point. But yeah, I think it's a great rule to, to follow on your increasing. Absolutely. Okay. So we hear about um, new runners are more likely to get injured, and that would kind of go along with what you were saying earlier about you know repetitive motion and not being used to it too much too soon. So why do you think other reasons uh, newer runners tend to get injured quicker? Well, I think one of the reasons for that statistic is um, you know when they take a poll of these runners, uh, they they take a poll of who's gotten injured. And, and one of the things is that novice runners, they're more likely to quit once they get an injury. And so it's almost like a survival of the fittest idea. So you get all these new runners, they're running, they get hurt, and only those who don't get hurt move on. And now they increase the pool of experienced runners. And so you, you do have a lot of higher incident rate of the newer runners. But um, also I think it's you know the reason why it's kind of skewed is because of that. But the reason why I think new runners get injured so fast is – is I think one reason is their expectations. Um, whether whether they're you know they get a new itch in their in their belly, they say, hey, I got I need to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to go run, and so they haven't got off the couch for 
you know, it's been a regular thing. They've been on the couch for, who knows, three years, five years, whatever the case may be. And then the first thing is they go out and they try to run five miles. And they may not be ready or up to that or their muscles not be ready for that. And like you said, that repetitive motion where they're not necessarily um, giving their muscles any break in between their training time, that's it's something that's going to really hurt them. So definitely it's their expectation and then expectation of either distance or also um, speed. You know, they think, okay, well, I've got a friend who she ran her first half marathon in two hours, so my goal is to beat her. And so they want to beat her because they've got this little underlying competition within them, and so now they're trying to train, and, and maybe they could do a two-hour ma- half marathon, but maybe not initially. You know, they need to work up to that, and then they also need to vary their training, and they may not know about the variation of training. And so they may be running at a two-hour pace their whole training time and never go slower or have maybe some days where they decrease a little bit. And so I think their training training errors or knowledge of that is a big reason why they may get injured so so fast initially. Yeah, that would make sense. And we actually put a big focus on taking some of your runs easy to make sure that your body does have that time to recover. And I think that that would match on well with you, what you just said. But uh, what other advice would you give to new runners then if they are looking to you know stay healthy and move forward in a progressive way that's not, um, not going to put them at risk of injury? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think initially it's, it's establishing expectations and, and establishing them realistically. Some people just say, oh, I'm, I, my goal is to finish. And, and that's a, a good goal, but I think at the same time, you still want to kind of give yourself an understanding of uh, what time you want to do, because whether you're just training and you don't really have an idea of your timing, you'll either train too hard, or when it comes race day, you're like, I'm just going to finish, and then they get excited with all the hype, and then they get caught up with everyone running, and they start running fast, and then halfway through their race, they're injured because... They weren't keeping the same pace that they were training at or different things like that. So I think number one is establishing an expectation and making it a realistic one. I think that um, Jeff has had a, a good uh, pace calculator where you can kind of gauge where, you know, you, you, your 5K time or something, and then you can kind of translate that into how much a, a half marathon, what, what your time should be with that. And I think that's a good way to start to kind of see, okay, this is my first marathon or half marathon. Um, my my, and I would say not even your fastest 5K. I'd say you know maybe a medium 5K pace, um, and then kind of put that in, engage that for your half marathon. I think another thing with the injury prevention is thinking about um, long term. Yes, this is your first race, but you're going to have more races. You know, there's going to be more races where you're you're going to get faster and you're going to get better and you're going to improve. But why don't you just get this one and, and get out of your way? But but use it, do it smartly, do it slowly. So. There's that, I think, with the expectations, and then I think you want to make sure that um, uh, you are, are varying your training, like we talked about. Um, a lot of people, you know, someone who hasn't ran, and then they go to running five days a week, even if it's just one mile a day, um, can still get injured because their body's not used to that exposure. So maybe working into the running on a mount, not only with distance, but a mount during a weekly training time as well, maybe three days a week, two days a week. Um, whatever the case may be initially, and then add your cross-training days in there so that you can build those muscles and build your core to have a strong base to work and propel yourself off of. Um, And then I guess this is probably a good time to kind of mention that there's a study that's been put out there about um, training with the use of 
what, parallel shoe use is what I like to call it, or you have multiple shoes to wear during your training. And uh, this may bring a lot of, uh, oh, the supporters of the runners to roll their eyes because they probably think the runners already have way too many uh, shoes as it is. Um, but this may be one that, uh, and it's just a new study. I mean, it's not like it's a solid, this is 100% the way to go. But what they've shown is they, they did a 22-week um, kind of perspective study. So they followed these people from the beginning to the end, and they, they didn't have any previous injuries. And then they would see what, what they did in their training, and they showed that those who used more than one pair of shoes during their training had uh, a decreased risk for injury. They said even in the study, 39% lower risk. And the thought behind that is is that it's not the same exact shoe. They're having different types of shoes. Maybe one's a 12 millimeter, one's a 4 millimeter drop, and it's just different shoes. So that it's just so much of a slight change that the the way that the muscles function during the run are, is enough different that it, it allows for some of the other tissues to heal. And so uh, you know, at this point, you know, I would say that might be definitely one of the things that a new runner could consider is definitely a getting some good shoes. And a good shoe means something that feels good on your foot. It doesn't necessarily have to be a science of what type of arch you have to what type of shoe you should get. It's something you it need to feel good. When you put it on, you need to feel like this is a match made in heaven. You know, you need to feel like I'm walking on a cloud, whatever the case may be. So you want to do that. And then if you want to find another pair of shoe that you can use and alternate um, throughout your training, they, they said that those who had the reduced injury rate they used one shoe no more than 58% of the time. So they still had their favorite shoe that they would use for most of the time, but they would vary it out. So that's one way that I think uh, a new runner, just given that study, and that study uh, was uh, by Malasu and, and his group in 2013. It was published online. So um, I think that's one way that they could definitely consider. And we could probably start talking about cross-training right now. Does that sound okay to you? Yeah, that, yeah, that's fine. Uh, first, I just want to say that that's really interesting what you just said about um, the shoes. And I'm, I'm kind of glad to hear you say that because I do, I rotate my shoes and I've always believed in that and the importance of it. But, you know, I've never heard a study that actually proves that it is worthwhile and it's something that you should do. And uh, I, I, I'm glad to hear you say that. But, yeah, let's, let's transition into cross-training and its importance. Okay, I will say another thing, just like you said, and I think a lot of people, they they vary their shoes um, just for the fact that they want to see like the cushioning return, um, and I and I don't know if that was so much of the reason as why they thought, but more it was just the idea that it was just the different what we call neuromuscular function or way that the brain and the the muscles are working together with your running. So, but I think cross training is an important one because you know I'll get runners into my clinic, and first of all. I have to applaud any runner that comes into the clinic because, as you're aware, runners like to run. You know, so if someone comes into my clinic, I have to applaud them just for being in there because, first of all, they don't want to be there, but they do want to run. But they don't want to hear you can't run or different things like that. And and my real goal, I, I want to get people running and I want to keep people running. And that's that's why we're here talking about injury prevention is so that they can. But so runners like to run. And so when we talk about cross training, you know, you sometimes look at the roll of the eyes and people are like. Really, you, you think we need to cross-train, you know? And uh, I have a couple quotes that um, I don't, won't necessarily say who they're by, but um, there's, these are quotes that just kind of show that there's some dispute out there about cross-training. You know, you have some running coaches that'll say, um, you know, I can spot the runners who have a gym membership because their stride is out of line. And he says, 
Those who do nothing but run have pure symmetry because they have only strengthened the muscles needed for running. And so as we talked about before, like, yeah, you need to strengthen those muscles, but if that's all you're doing and you're doing it too quickly, then those muscles are going to get tired and they're going to get a strain. And so um, one of the things I like to say, and this is for novice runners and experienced runners, <coughs> excuse me, but there's a couple studies out there that show that, you know, a stronger core um, there's one that says a stronger core can reduce um, or decrease your runtime in the 5,000 meters. So they, they took a study and you know showed those with the core strength, and then they showed that getting that stronger can reduce your runtime in the 5,000 meter. But um, also in that same study about from Malasu that talked about um, strength training or or the the parallel shoe use also mentioned some strength training and some participation in other sports. And uh, they found that uh, with participation in other sport activities next to running, so doing it together, they also found to be protective against running-related injuries. So, you know, that, that ability to cross-train or to use other activities, and cross-training can be anything. I mean, it can be swimming, it can be biking, it can be hiking, it can be like a high-intensity interval workout, it can be... Um, rowing, I mean there's boxing, Pilates, jump rope, there's just a million things that it could be. The important thing is getting different muscles, different interests, and at the same time we're kind of working on our um, coordination and also our core strength that then helps us and translates back to running. But one other study that showed that um, said strength training, or and that was explosive and or heavy weight training, improves long distance running performance and or running economy. And so I think that it's important that runners know that strength training is is essential, or or not necessarily strength training, but just cross training is essential to help them run. You know, and if you're injured, you can't run. You know, so that's the thing is like, you know, do I take time off to keep my body healthy so that I continue to run, or I just continue to run and get hurt? So I think it's important that cross training is considered um, in there and and should be something that's not necessarily planned at the end of your training or when in need but should be planned during the course of it you know so I think that's important one thing and and, and you can see both improvements in injury prevention and also um, in, uh, in in improvement or or time improvement things and and that's just with the ability to stay healthy you can run faster as it is so regardless of, of other studies that show that they actually improve your time it just help staying healthy which keeps you running yeah oh yeah and that's so that's so important and i just want to differentiate for a minute you talked about having a strong core but i just want you to explain a little that because i i did not realize this until a few months ago that when you say a strong core that doesn't necessarily mean you can you know hold a plank for 10 minutes or do 100 sit-ups you're not talking about you know getting that six-pack look it, it this is like a, the entire trunk as a whole and you know not just exercises that focus on those what you what people traditionally consider abs but the entire trunk so could you just you know reiterate that a little bit yeah that's a great point um i think yeah uh the 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 term core needs to be defined and, and that's in multiple disciplines the term core needs to be defined and that that does include a your, your tummy which a lot of people think about like you said the six packs and the abs of steel and all that kind of stuff but it also includes your back muscles which help to hold you erect. And then an important part that is often neglected is your glute muscles right around there because that still is stabilizing your pelvis. And if that pelvis isn't stable, then you don't have anything to grow off of or build from. So, And like you said, you know, you can plank for 10 or 15 minutes, but is that going to translate to running? Do you know what I mean? And so it's one thing to definitely build statically your core, 
But you also got to consider building dynamically because when you run, that's that's what you do. You're, you're having a, a dynamic movement. So this core needs to be strong to push off of. It's kind of like um, if you're if you're uh, if you've got a a slippery um, floor, a, a wood floor, and uh, then you've got a blanket on top of the wood floor, and you go to push off of it, the blanket kind of slips out, and you don't really move. And that's the same with our core. If if, if our muscles aren't able to push or propel ourselves forward against something, which is our core, our strong core, then a we're not going to move, or b we're going to move incorrectly and cause some injury or some compensation somewhere up down the chain. And so I think, like you said, it's important that we consider the whole trunk. So that's you know even even I'd say uh, upper back. So you know from pecs down or shoulder down to our, our gluteal region. And to do that statically, and then consider doing that dynamically as well. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a great analogy and way of looking at it. That's that's interesting. I like I like the way you uh, specified that there. So um, let's talk about injuries just a little bit, as that is one of your uh, specialities as working with runners. So um, runners are notoriously bad at ignoring pain and running through injuries. Um, till it gets to a point where we need time off. I mean, I know I have a good friend who's an athletic trainer and he used to hate working with runners because we're just, he used to say, you're so stupid, like, why do you keep going? And is there any reason why you think uh, runners, you know, do run through pain, especially as you get to see both sides of the story? You see the physical therapist side and you see the running side. So you're kind of in the middle there. Well, um, yeah, and I think, I don't, I don't want to... Uh downplay runners for that because you know if I were to consider a runner who keeps running and is injured versus someone who sits on the couch and you know is gaining weight and really adding to this obesity epidemic that we see going on you know not that I'm a proponent for you know injuries and keeping running and all that kind of stuff but you know I got to pay it to them that they're running they're out there they're being active and that's important and I think that's part of the reason why they do it is because a lot of runners identify themselves by the way that, and their ability to run. You know, I mean, if you had a running convention, everyone would love to have a, a sign on themselves that says, "Hi, my name's Jeremy. I run 50 miles a week, and I've ran 20 marathons." You know, I mean, that's they would want that on their name tag because that's kind of how they identify themselves. You know, um, and uh, it, it, it's 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 part of who they are. And you know, some people have come from a long history. Of, of maybe obesity and then they've used running as their mechanism to get back into it and, and I've heard people who say you know if I take a day off I'm so nervous that I will lose my motivation to get back into it and, and you know that's a real thing and so I'm not I'm not here to downplay runners for that but at the same time I do know that there's long-term benefits from from taking a break or 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 cross training or whatever the case may be that the situation for each individual person but it, like I said I, I I'm a runner myself, and so I, I understand where they're coming from. I'm not just a physical therapist who um, who thinks you know that everything's black and white, and this is how you do it because that's not the case. And and I think that there's a lot of value that can come from healthy activities of life, running being one of them. And so I think that a it's it's a part of who they are, and b I think it's that competitive drive that's also within a runner. And so you know they've got you know, X race in three months, and if they take a week off now or two weeks off now, are they going to be ready for it? And whether that's to beat their own time, because that's one of the great things about runners too is we're all seeking our own PR. 
you know, and that's what I love about running. I love the running community because I can be as fast or slow, but I go to this running community, I go to this race, and we're all friends because we're all happy to be running, and I can beat my own time. And then there's also times that we're racing against our friends or, or other competitors that may be the case, but that competitive nature obviously drives um, the injury rate as well. And that's actually one of the shown risk factors um, for injury is a, is a competitive nature. Yeah, oh yeah, and I, I could not agree more with everything you just said there. I don't even know which one to pick pick on because uh, I, I think every runner listening was probably nodding their head right there with in agreement with you. Um, so then when it comes to pains and injuries in this kind of situation, how do you, how, what's the best way for runners to know which pains they should run through, which pains to give maybe two or three minutes and see if it gets better, and which pains, all right, stop right now. Um, how do you kind of know what to do with, with those? Yeah, and that's a great question um, and one that you know is often asked. And if I, if I could get into every one of my, my patients' like bodies and feel their pain, I would love it because I could then say, okay, yeah, this injury, this pain, you can go through a little bit more. But I think kind of a rule of thumb um, that I like to have, you know, is is a what you got to think about how much it hurts and and when it hurts and where it hurts. So you got to kind of think about those three things during a run. So if I, like you said, if I'm initially running and whoa, I'm getting this weird pain, but if I give it a few minutes as I'm as I'm continuing to run, um, and it kind of goes away. That's that's great. So we can look at that. But then the next thing we need to consider is when I finish, is that now plaguing my body the rest of the day? You know, so it's not only during a run that we need to consider, but it's also the rest of the day that we also need to consider or weeks. And so obviously if you're if you've got an injury that's running from running or you feel it while you're running or even you don't feel it while you're running, but it gets worse after you run and then that continues throughout the next 3 days then obviously that's something that we want to say, okay, we need to step back a little bit um, and we need to cons- find out what this is and what we need to do to change that. Um, so, And then you want to look at location. You know, If you're tender on a bone, um, like any stress fracture, you know, that's one that we really have no um, ability to play with. I mean, if you've got a stress fracture, that, that's one thing you just have to say, You've got to put your hands up and say, "Okay, I, I need a, I need a break," and that's hard to do um, because there are some injuries, you know, maybe a tendonitis of some sort that you might be okay to push a little through, maybe decrease your training time and things like that. But like a stress fracture, when you get one of those, and and you feel you you get that, and you'll feel it, and it's sharp, and it hurts, and every time you land, you feel it, and it's not getting any better, you know. That that's something you want to you want to say, "Okay, I need to go get this looked at." And of course, I'll I'll put a plug in for my physical therapy peeps that uh, mm-hmm. you know anytime you have an injury, you know um, you're more than welcome to obviously go to a therapist and they'll help you. And one of the things that you know this doesn't apply to everyone, but if you're close to us here in Mountainland, um, you can you can come in and we'll do a free screen on anyone, and we'll just kind of quickly assess you, and then we can kind of give you a guide on whether you should continue to run or whether you need to back off a little bit. So that's one of the perks that we offer at Mountainland Physical Therapy to, to people is that if they're, if they're needing to come in for a, a free injury screen, it's not a full evaluation, but we'll screen them and then kind of give them an idea on what to do. Um, but you, you want to look at your daily activities is, is really a guide that I think w- how you feel the rest of your day is, is, is an indication on, on what you need to do with running pain. 
yeah that's that's a good that's a good way of looking at it and uh, i will put a link to your clinic uh what town is that in in utah so i'm out of kaysville kaysville, kaysville? utah okay my clinic's at. Yeah. okay so if you are in the kaysville area you can go get a uh a screening but um i will put links to jeremy's clinic and in addition to our pace calculator that you talked about a little bit earlier and anything else in uh, our show notes which will be at runnersconnect.net forward slash rc50 so um yeah so you would say go to a physical therapist and we did actually write an article about this a few weeks ago with um how easy it is to get direct access based on your state to a physical therapist so we'll also put a link to that which will will help do you think um runners have a higher tolerance for pain than most other athletes in other sports um that's a great question and uh, I, I wish I had read this study. This was just one of my colleagues, and I find this study really interesting. And I don't know the whole logistics of it, but they took a little uh, kind of like a cleat, and they stuck it on people's shins, and then they pumped up like a blood pressure cuff, so to speak, around it, and they wanted to see who could tolerate the most with different sports. <laughs> and uh, um, I, don't, I think the people who had more contact sports tolerated a little more pain, but I don't know that that... Um, that really correlates with the question per se. Um, I do think that they have more, uh, this is only subjective of course, but I do think that they have a, a, maybe not a high tolerance to pain, but maybe a more internal drive. Um, And I think that might be one because um, running's individual. You know, if you're hurt, you can have your teammates kind of pick you up on other sports, but running's just you, you know, and so you've got to be there and so, those personal goals, you're, you've got a little bit more drive to, to achieve them as a runner, I think. Yeah, oh, definitely. And I think it can also work both ways in that because it's all on you, you can either push it aside out of your head and say, oh, it's not that bad, it's not that bad. Um, but then you can also take it the other way because it's just you in your mind and you can't rely on anyone else. You can kind of spin it out of control. And I know I've been guilty in the past when something hurts, you just, my mind goes into overdrive because, so I think, both we can be both good and bad with that kind of situation and uh, I think a lot of our listeners are going to love that you keep bringing up these uh, studies and articles because we we really like the science and the you know the details behind thing rather than just saying oh you know my friend told me that this you know you're actually bringing up uh, hard evidence here so that's really great to hear and uh, I'm sure people will, will enjoy listening to that. So what about if a runner has like a big race coming up? You mentioned that earlier and, you know, they really don't want to take time off. But is there anything they can do if it is, you know, getting close and you ooh, I really want even a day or two, it's just going to spin that minded to overdrive and anything you can recommend for those situations? Um, I, I, uh, I'll, we'll probably need to put another link here for one of Jeff's articles yep. on the, the amount of uh, like VO2 max capacity loss or, or uh, aerobic threshold loss um, that he's kind of put out before, you know, given a week off, you know, your your actual loss is pretty minimal. So, you know, I think that's one of the things. And, and I think that another thing is, is you know, it, it really is considering where you're at in your training, you know. And I... I think I think all injuries need to be treated seriously, but individual as well. Because, you know, if if you've got someone who's trying to qualify for the Olympics, versus someone who's just trying to complete their first marathon, um, no offense to the person who's trying to complete their first marathon, but those are different. Um, those are those are different scenarios. 
um, you know, those the, the person who's going to complete their first marathon, there's going to be another marathon almost every weekend of the year. You know, you can easily get a multiple marathons every weekend. So it's not like if they miss this, this is the end of the world. But at the same time, for that elite athlete, um, they, they may they may ruin their running career depending on it, you know. But I think that sometimes it's important that they can think about, A, is my goal to finish or A, is my goal to get a certain time because – and if they can shift their mind to the fact that, oh, I, you know, I just need to finish. You know, let's say they have three weeks till their race um, and they have this new pain that's been coming on for the past couple weeks. But, they, you know, they can first rule out that it's not a stress fracture. And then they can, uh, they can kind of alter their training significantly to the point where, okay, I'm not going to get my PR in three weeks, but I'm going to finish the race. You know, and so if they can alter that mindset a little bit, it's still an accomplishment, you know. Um, definitely, and I think hopefully this will help runners realize that that you know being able to say, okay, I'm gonna take a step back. I'm gonna be smart for my future health. I'm still gonna finish my race, and that's the accomplishment. It's finishing my race, even despite this pain that I had. I'm I'm still gonna be able to finish my race. But then they can alter their training, you know. And like we said, if they take a week off, and and maybe cross train, you know, get on the bike, keep that aerobic fitness up. And um, try to get the strengthening where you can strengthen without pain and still keep your running muscles strong. Then you know it's not going to be their best time, but they're going to finish, and that's okay. And they can they can pat themselves on the back because they listen to their body, knowing that next year they can do it again and they can get better. You know, and I think that's an accomplishment. If we can get a little paradigm shift in our runners on how we think a little bit um, when that comes to that, I think that's important. Oh no, I, I think that's a great point you bring up there, especially because. We as runners can be guilty of thinking, you know, this is it. I have to do it now. But like you said, there is there's races all the time, and even even for elite runners, um, you, it, there's always going to be another race. I mean, I I tend to get caught up in that myself, thinking, you know, when's it when's it my turn? When I have to do it this time? But I think everyone can kind of learn from. There's always going to be another opportunity, and you know, unless you're kind of in the situation where you're you know 38 years old coming to the end and you're an elite runner trying to qualify for your first olympics then maybe you're kind of getting towards the point where you're getting to the end of your limit there but for the most part we can always keep improving and there's always other opportunities so i think that's a good point you bring up because we can often forget about that and kind of think spiral ourselves out of control and think that there's never going to be anything else so that's mm -hmm. a good mm -hmm. point to bring up there and so what point would you say people would need to pull themselves out of a race, like a, particularly a marathon or, or even further? Is there a situation where, you know, it's really not worth if you're going to limp your way through 26 miles um, and then need, you know, three months off as opposed to if you stop now, uh, you may only need two or three? Yeah, that's a great question and definitely a golden question to always <laughs> answer. But um, stress fracture... For sure, if you've got a stress fracture, you got to pull the plug. There's no question about that, um, and that and that can be in multiple places. It can be in your shin, it can be up in your femur, right up by your hip. There's there's lots of different places where a stress fracture can occur. Um, but I also think that uh, is you know, if if you if you can't walk two steps without having significant pain, obviously running 13 miles or 26.2 miles or whatever the case is, that's going to be a little bit of an issue too. Um, but I think um, how to decide to pull the plug or not, that's always a, a difficult question. 
but um, I, it's it's when it's when you are running and you're crying because of pain uh, within the first mile. Um, and sometimes those tears can become because of emotions. You know, I mean, there's a lot of emotional tie behind it. But when it's a pain cry, that's obviously a state where you've got to just say, hey, I've, I've, I've got to pull the plug here. I've got to be a little bit smarter. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I, it's funny you, you mentioned that. I, my first marathon experience, I, I know I should have pulled the plug. The week of the race, I, I couldn't walk on the, the Tuesday, and I needed to race on the Sunday. And, you know, everything went wrong, but... That was my stubbornness, and I did have the crying tears, and nope, I was going to do it, and lots of mistakes learned, but I think a lesson <laughs> many of us have learned, and um, yes. it's uh, funny, just funny you brought that up there. Um, so then, when it comes to um, injuries and recovering, so you you're, you know a lot about returning from injuries and what would you, are there any specific recommendations or thoughts you have on returning to run, running? Is that something a lot of our listeners are very interested in? And that's, yeah, that's, that's excellent. And this is, I think, an essential part in a runner's um, training uh, because if, if they've, A, committed themselves to taking some time off, like I said, we've got to applaud them for that. But B, now this is, this is crucial, crucial for them to continue in their running career is how they return. Because too many people will either come back too fast, um, either with speed or distance, and then they get hurt again. Whether that's in the same spot or in a different spot, now they're injured again, and, and now they think, well, I'm not meant to be a runner. Or I can't do this anymore, my career's over, I, this is my, my next injury, and it's just perpetuating on top. And it can really be mind numbing and boggling and, and hard that that they now they just give up running altogether because they've had too many injuries in a row. And so this is a critical stage for a runner is this initial return to running. And so um, that at this point there is not a science on how to return. Um, along with the 10% rule, I'd like to figure out a way that we can say, okay, if you have had a stress fracture, and there, there is actually a study now that's been put out on, on an idea of how to return after a stress fracture and different running, things like that, um, then, uh, you know, there's not, but I'd like to have all these different diagnoses and that says, okay, X, Y, and Z, this means you do this, this, and this for return to running. At this point, there isn't one. And so guidelines that I like to give <clears throat> is initially, don't forget the walk-run. Um, it's important that, you know, when you get back into running, um, that, that walk-run is important because, First of all, um, it gives your muscles, instead of that constant running over and over that we talked about at the beginning, now it gives it some time for walking muscles to kind of kick in and, and work at a different angle and different joint uh, mechanics than, than running. And so that's important that you get the walk run in and, and, and know that in a few weeks you'll be running again the whole time and that's okay. So remembering the walk run in your return. Two, um, recalling or, or making out a plan on how to get back in and sometimes I like to base it off of a 30 minute um, return so I mean this is especially if you've been out for you know three four weeks or greater then you know you really gotta scale things back um, six weeks especially so I, I like to use like a 30 minute guide so when I get rich runners returning or myself returning after an injury um, I like to think of time instead of distance because if I'm gonna run one mile versus run 10 minutes or 8 minutes, however the case may be, 
one mile, I, I'm not going to control how I run. I'm going to, oh, man, I'm doing feeling good. I'm going to run. So I like to return in minutes instead of distance. So run, walk, return in, in minutes instead of distance. And you can set your goal at like 20 to 30 minutes initially. And then your walk-run ratio starts at, you know, probably eight minutes walking and two minutes running. And then as the weeks go on, you continue to alter that. And now you're at six minutes and three minutes. And then you're at four minutes walking and five minutes running. And then these, these, these ties start to change. And then once you can get to 30 consecutive minutes running, then we can start to build up our um, distance and time and things like that. But I, I like to also consider the fact that in my return to running process, let's say you know, I started with this you know, eight and two, and now I'm running I'm walking for three minutes and running for seven minutes, okay? And I do that, and that's when I kind of start to feel an injury again. I'd like to back up, you know, a few days where I ran with no pain, where I was back at, say, four minutes and six minutes instead of three minutes and seven. And I felt good at the four minutes and six minutes, so I'll back up to there, and I'll run a couple days at that, and then I'll start to try to advance again for the three minutes and seven minutes. So I think it's important that when, if you start to feel that, that niggling injury just starts to come around again, just back up a couple days, run there, so, and then start to progress again to just get those muscles stronger again. That's a great point right there. I, I actually, I really would like to highlight that because I think a lot of runners go through this where they're returning from an injury and you are at that point where, yeah, you're only at 10 minutes or whatever and you get some kind of pain and a lot of people freak out and oh what what am I going to do I obviously need more time off and they you know either may take two three more weeks off or just absolutely spiral out of control mentally but I think that's a great point you brought up right there that you don't have to that doesn't mean that you have to start from scratch again you just have to backpedal a, a little and yeah okay if it still is bugging you at the lower the lower minutes then fine you know maybe back off even more but I think that's great that you mentioned that you don't have to. It's all is not lost if you if you feel even a little bit of just feeling it. And sometimes it can be difficult to tell. You know, those kind of ghost pains, whether it actually hurts or whether you're just worrying about it. But I think that's a really important point to bring up right there. So um, thank you for that. So um, any other any other thoughts on whether runners should increase their other activities or you talked about the importance of cross training or whether during that return to running time what they should include in addition to the um, building up their running. Great, great point and uh, I'll take it one more step back not only to include in their return to running but in their time off. You know, I mean this, in their in your time off you've really got to, um, you, you've got to be motivated and say hey I've got this time off I'm really going to use this time to Maybe do the things that I'm not normally doing, you know, get that core strong again. But, you know, cross training is important. It's not only for muscle strength, but also just your heart. Your heart needs that pumping and it needs to be ready for you to run again. And so if you can, if you have an injury and you can bike and it doesn't hurt you, great, get on the bike. If you can swim and it doesn't hurt you, get on swim, you know. And and granted it's not running and it's gonna take more time or less time depending on the activity. Than, than running, you know, sometimes biking to get the cardiovascular fitness level that, that running takes, you may have to be on the bike a little bit longer um, than you would have normally for a regular daily run, you know, so you've got to consider that kind of stuff and just kind of pay attention to your fatigue level and your exertional level where you kind of feel, okay, yeah, this feels like a, a five-mile easy run, and, I, you know, this, this is about how long it took me to get there and kind of consider that, but, yeah, especially 
on your time off and then as you kind of build up back to your time of running again you want to start to add a little bit more of maybe agility activities into your um, cross training before you get back into running maybe try some skipping or some jump roping and, and see if that hurts you know if that doesn't hurt then great we've got a good indication that we're getting to the place where we're going to be able to start to run again and then as you run like you said um, I didn't mention this but I think it's important that if you have if you're run, returning to running and you're just back after six weeks off or so you, you, you need a day in between of, of running so you got you, we talked about the time we talked about um, the other factors that we want to consider, but we also want to consider a day off in between your running uh, so that you can have those muscles time to heal and recover before you start again the next day. And so on those days off, you can definitely do some core workout or uh, an aerobic video or uh, biking or whatever the case may be, whatever a second passion is of yours that you enjoy doing. Um, try to get on that and, and do that in your in your time. I'm glad you brought that up. Good point. Oh, no, no problem. And I'm glad you um, mentioned about, you know, you can do a variety of activities. And I think one thing that I notice a lot is um, runners tend to associate cross-training with injuries. I know I did for a very long time. And actually, to be honest, in some ways I still do. I associate um, biking, especially in elliptical, with uh, cross-training. But I think it's important for runners to find, like you said, a second passion or something that they enjoy and don't mind doing I mean for me I tried uh, the elliptigo recently and I loved it I, I would do that for pleasure let alone for training so I think it's important to find something that you do enjoy and it doesn't necessarily if you are trying to you know focus on a key race you have to take a week off and you have a big race coming up yes okay pool running or ellipt- elliptical may be the the only option but if you're not at that point where you are desperately trying to hold on to your fitness you can do other things as long as you enjoy it and you're more likely to keep it up if you find something you enjoy so I like that you said you know find something that's like a second passion because I think that is important yeah exactly and and like you said I think it's important that it's the cross training and this is in the last article I wrote uh, for you the run Utah magazine um, I, I put in there that you know it's it's something you got to plan in there. It's not something that you you have to put in on second thought or in emergency. You, you want to have it in there included, like you said. It's not something just for when I'm injured, cross training. You want to put it in there so you don't get injured. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I will put a link to. Um, do you have something on that that you could uh, the article that you just talked about? Okay, I'll put that on the show notes as well then. So, okay, so once a runner is back to being healthy and back running strong again, are there any other little things you can recommend for people to stay healthy? I know I I try to run on grass or soft ground um, at least a few miles a week. Um, And then you could maybe talk about shoes or stretching, whether to stretch or not stretch, whatever. What other things would you recommend for people to avoid injuries? Um, great question. And so, um, uh, a lot of a lot of what there 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 are a lot of myths out there on what causes injuries um, in runners. And 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 the, and they actually did a, a, a study on what runners' beliefs on injury risks were, on what their risks for injury were. And so, the, what they what they found that runners believed um, was. That this is so. This is the runner's perception. They took a poll. They had people survey, and they talked about not stretching, excessive training, not warming up, lack of strength, wearing the wrong shoes, not respecting the body's limitations, and foot type changes. 
So that's what the runners perceived. And, um, and so what, 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 what actually is shown, and not that those are wrong, but, but there's no hard evidence to support all of those. What has been shown is, is running experience is a risk for injury, weekly mileage or intensity, so uh, either a rapid increase or exceed, and even, and this is a hard one for runners too, but um, exceeding 40 miles a week puts you at increased injury uh, risk, and that, that's been shown in studies. And so a previous injury also um, puts you at risk of injury, and actually stress fractures, if you've had a stress fracture, you're, it's almost you're six times more likely to get another stress fracture. So wow. you really got to be be careful with that. And then competitive training motives. So, you know, um, I don't know that there's any, like, pearls that are the exact answer other than, like, we talked about, like, use your cross training. Um, you can also vary your shoes, like we talked about a little earlier. Um, one of the things that you can also um, consider is, um, and, and it depends on the injury, and this is sometimes again where a physical therapist may come into play. And and I think as one of the podcasts was earlier about uh, a video analysis yep. of, of a runner and things. Some you know that's really helpful. And so if you've had an injury, um, going to a therapist to get your data analyzed to show, you know, was it just too too much too fast, or is do I actually have like a biomechanical fault that's leading to this? Because if it is, let's get that changed and let's get you running again with a new alteration of gait. And so um, a study showed that uh, uh, people who had less injury had less force that they, ground reaction force. So that's like when I hit the ground, you know, one of Newton's laws is every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So when I hit the ground, I'm not only hitting the ground, the ground's hitting me back. And so they showed that those who had less injury um, had a, a decreased ground reaction force. So they had that going back. And so one of the ways that's kind of a hot topic out there with gait training is increasing your cadence. And um, and so if you increase your cadence, the idea is that you get a shorter step length and you're landing that your foot closer to your body, which then allows for le- less ground reaction force. And uh, Heiderscheidt and his group kind of really started this whole idea of the increased cadence. And... Um, and, and, I, and I have to put a caveat on this, that not every injury is caused because of increased ground reaction force. But sometimes that can be the case. And like I said, the study showed that those with decreased ground reaction force had a decreased injury rate or decreased risk for injury. And so one of the things you can consider is as you're going back, you can kind of alter your gait a little bit, maybe with a little faster cadence and not even for the whole time, maybe just for a little bit. And they found that they, in, in Heiderscheidt's um, group's, uh, study they 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 show just a five percent um, increase in your stride or your frequency can can decrease your ground reaction force and so especially like with a stress fracture or something where it may have been from a ground reaction force or excessive load through there that may be something to consider um, is increasing that that stride rate a little bit so you're just turning over your feet and it's not significantly faster but it's just a, a hair faster so that way you get that that decreased force um, as you're running so something to consider as well. And, you know, as you're just working back into things and you're only work running three minutes at a time, that's a great time to, to try a new gait, you know, where you're just altering things a little bit and, and listening to your body and, and kind of paying attention to it. So it's a good time to really try to alter things a little bit. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. And that's, that's a good point about focusing on those things while you are in your downtime or in the recovery time, you know, so that when you do get to the point where you are at full speed and full training again, your body is used to those changes. So I think that's that's another good point to bring up. And what about um, with shoes? 
uh, you hear about you should put a certain number of miles on the shoes. Do you think that's less applicable now with the kind of technology the shoes have, or should injury-prone runners still kind of keep the number of miles on their shoes on the lower end? Um, that's a that's a great a great question too. You know, the the thicker shoe was designed to help reduce that ground reaction force that we just talked about, and and you know they they have a, a curve that we that we look at for how much ground reaction force we're obtaining or how much force is going through our limb um, in our gait cycle when we're running. And uh, they did show that, that that initial spike was decreased with, with, the, with the thicker shoe. Um, the, the way that they determined the three or 500 miles for your shoes um, to change over was, uh, at least the way that the study that I understood is that they just took a, a sheen and they just pounded the shoe, just kept pounding it over and over again it, for, to equal three or 500 miles or whatever the case may be. And that's how they decided to say, you know, your shoe breaks down around 500 miles. And uh, there wasn't a significant change between the 300-mile mark and the 500-mile mark. And so a lot of times, like you said, you know, technology is changing, shoes are improving. But I also think it, it's important that you just kind of let the responsiveness of your shoe kind of guide you. You know, I, I think it's a good idea to consider that, but you'd hate to put someone in a new, brand-new shoe when they're returning and it's one that maybe that they're not feeling good in or something and now they're going to change their gait completely and they're going to cause issues just from that. So I'd, I'd hate to put them in a brand new shoe just for that reason only. But you want to kind of pay attention to your responsiveness is kind of what we say to your shoe and how much you feel it still gives you, you know, as you're running. You can tell like when your shoe gets old and you're like, it doesn't quite have the same spring, kind of the same effect that you, you feel the return on it. And so that's not a there's not a science to that, but you know definitely um, shoes can wear down and, and they can cause injury. And if that's part of the case, if you think you've got an old shoe, I mean it's not it's not a bad idea to consider changing that out. Okay, well that's good to know, and I think we can all learn. Again, it seems to be with a lot of things, uh, it's all about you, what you your personal body can take, and learning about who you are. I think that's such a huge aspect of running that we. We can often take for granted that there is no blanket yes, no answer. And it'd be nice if we had one of those, you know, flow charts where it's do you have this, yes, no, and then go off in this direction. But unfortunately that isn't the case. A lot of it is just taking in what you feel yourself and you're comfortable with. And I think you've you've brought that home a lot in this interview so far. Um, so that's all the questions I have for today, but we do have a question from uh, one of our Runners Connect athletes um, who would like to know about um, running as you age and we all know that you you know you slow down as you age you need more time to bounce back but why do you think uh, I mean we've shown that in one of our articles that in, uh, older runners are less susceptible to injuries because you're moving slower but why is it that older runners need to be more careful for injuries than you know when they are younger? Yeah, that's a, a good question, and um, like you talked about, I mean, our body goes through a lot of physiological changes as we age. Um, there's there's multiple reasons why that. One of the things is is our tissue, our tissue makeup, the makeup of our tissues, what they're comprised of, changes as we age. And so, not only, I mean, I think you said you can see a decreased risk of injury for those who are older, um, and 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 I think, like you said, you hit home a little bit that there, I think. One, they've learned their body a little bit, like we've talked about, and so they're they're more able to listen to it. But two, they may be at a little slower time. Um, but the the position or the area of of injury rate actually changes 
and you see a lot of males with calf injuries more as they age. And that's part due to the, um, we talked about the, the collagen or the tissue, the, the fibers that compose the tissue, the, the changes that, that come with that. And so um, I think that, you know, as you age, you know, first of all, power to you because I hope I'm 101 and I run a marathon. You know, I mean, that's that's my goal is I I, I want to be able to do that because that I just I get so much inspiration from those runners who have kept themselves healthy enough and the ability to run as as they've continued to age. But um, it's important to to know, like you said, is is your, your frequency of running has maybe got to alter a little bit, and um, and possibly that's that's one of the reasons too is their lifestyle now has changed where. They maybe have more responsibilities in their life, and so they're not hitting the everyday running. They maybe are running a few days a week, and so now their tissues have time to heal a little bit more in between each run. Oh, yeah, I guess that would make a lot more sense, especially as you get to that point where you are retired and you're a master's runner. You can take a bit more time between your um, between your runs and really think about when you're going to place them rather than cramming things in, when, which people tend to do. So um, that's all the questions I have for today. I just want to ask you one more question that I ask all the guests for this year. And if you could describe one word um, for what you would like to achieve, believe, be in 2015, what would that be and why? One word that I could, yeah. that I want to achieve? Wow, that's a hard question. <laughs> that's the most um, difficult one yet, huh? <laughs> I think... Uh, True. That's a good one. I, I want to be true to who I am, my beliefs, my my desire, my my visions. So I want to be true and stay to that. True to my family, all that kind of stuff. I think true would be the one word I would try to choose. That's great. No, that's a wonderful word. And this has really been interesting to learn the uh, the words people have chosen. They're all very um, deep and thoughtful words, rather than just you know. Um, simple things so it's, it's great to great to hear that and uh well thank you so much jeremy i've really enjoyed talking to you and we've learned i've learned so much this has been fascinating and i'm sure people will really enjoy listening to this we've got a lot of links for people to go out check on um so you can go to that at runnersconnect.net forward slash rc50 and um thank you again jeremy for your time yeah it's been my pleasure thank you i've had a great time and there you have it that was a lot of helpful information. I learned so much and I feel so much better about being a runner now and what to expect. I love that Jeremy showed us the science but still had the empathy to understand that we are out there doing what we love. I hope you got as much of, from that interview as I did. Thank you for listening today. If you did enjoy listening, I would really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. I created a video to show you how, which you can find at our link at runnersconnect.net forward slash rc50. Favourable reviews help us towards our goal of being the number one running podcast, and we would love for you to help us get there. Thank you in advance, and have a great week of running!